0: Well, good morning again. If you all would open up to Matthew chapter 28. It's really interesting that the first few times we got good morning, it was really excited. And this last time it was, yeah, good morning. It's probably because it's almost not morning. We'll go with that. Um as I shared before, Pastor Charlie is back in El Paso. He is resting up. Um, I'm sure as you can imagine, it it takes a lot out of you to to take that flight all the way back across the, the ocean and then all the way halfway across the United States. So he is resting and trying to recover from that cold. So please continue to keep him in prayer. He said that the trip was amazing and he wants to, to plan another one for as soon as possible. So for, for the rest of us, that'll be an opportunity that maybe we can take advantage of also this morning please continue to pray for pastor cliff barnes many of you know him he was on staff here for many years he was a youth pastor and then a missions and outreach pastor and then he left to start horizon christian fellowship and they meet on another side of town But this week on Thursday, his mom passed away. And so please be in prayer for him and for the family. And if you would like more information about the services, you can call the church office here or at Horizon Christian Fellowship. And you can get that information. But this morning, we're going to be starting out in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We're going to go ahead and read through those verses. And then we'll pray, we'll watch a video, and and then we'll just dive right in after that. Heavenly Father, this morning as we come before you, we do ask that you would continue to watch over and protect Pastor Charlie and his wife Ceci and the rest of the team that that went to Israel, Lord. We pray for their rest and recuperation, that you would just continue to, to... Fill them with your Holy Spirit to prepare them for all the things that that await them here. And, Father, that you would just restore them quickly. We also pray for Pastor Cliff Barnes and his family. Lord, during this time, you would be that that comfort, that peace. They would just be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. We also pray this morning for our time in your word, that that you would soften and prepare our hearts to hear from you, that you would grant to us your understanding and discernment, that we would be able to rightly divide your word and to clearly hear your heart spoken through it. I pray that you would give me your words to speak and not my own, and, and that we would all be attentive to the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit. And we ask and pray all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. If you would please play the video.
1: Maybe the chaos isn't new. Endless war. Expanding threats. Devastating illness. All of it terrifying all of it piling up. But one thing has changed. It's never been easier to take it all in, to see the chaos unfold in real time, while only barely being touched by it. It's never been more possible to be of the world without really being in it. Will those of us who worship Christ stand at the water's edge, wishing for the lost to be warmed and fed? Or will we spend our lives in worship by becoming the living sacrifices, who stop hoping the chaos won't reach us and start carrying the hope of the gospel to those already drowning? Maybe it's time to go.
0: That video sometimes helps us get focused on some of the things that, that we're trying to talk about. And, and this video very clearly depicts, for me at least, this call to go. And it's something that, that you can see throughout so many different places in the Word of God. And this morning we're going to look at two of them. But... THERE ARE SO MANY DIFFERENT TIMES THAT IN THE WORD OF GOD WE SEE THIS EXHORTATION, THIS CALLING, THIS COMMANDMENT TO GO OUT AND TO DO THINGS FOR THE LORD. AND SO JESUS HERE IN VERSE 18 IS SPEAKING TO to HIS DISCIPLES AND HE SAYS ALL AUTHORITY HAS BEEN GIVEN TO ME IN HEAVEN AND ON EARTH AND WE TALKED ABOUT THAT LAST WEEK. AND THEN HE SAYS GO THEREFORE AND MAKE DISCIPLES OF ALL THE NATIONS. And this was a very specific challenge that was extended by Jesus. We are called to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And that's so much more than just bringing people to a church or getting them inside the door. Church size or church attendance is a really poor metric for determining the success or failure of this challenge because just coming to church doesn't do it. You know, there are tons of people in all sorts of denominations and in all sorts of churches, including this one, that come to church on a regular religious basis, but their lives haven't been transformed, they haven't been changed, and there's no fruit, there's no outworking taking place. And so we are called to go out to make a difference. We are called to be both doctrinal and missional. There are some churches today that are extremely focused on doctrine and theology, and that is a good thing. But they become so overly focused on that, that it becomes a dead and academic exercise. Because there's no outreach, there's no movement, there's no true spiritual growth. Because if all that's happening is you're soaking all this stuff up, but nothing's coming out of your life, then it's dead. And so that, that's a problem. And and yet we have people on the other extreme where there are churches that are so focused on missional work, on making physical differences in the world and in the lives of people that it loses all sense of doctrine. There's no inreach. There's all movement. But there's still no true spiritual growth because all of it is just for the sake of work. It's just for the sake of doing and being active, being busy. And it may even be trying to be busy for the right reasons, but it's still not being busy in the right way. And yet we are called to be both, to be doctrinal and to be missional. One of the things about the Calvary Chapel movement as a whole, and particularly Calvary Chapel of El Paso, is that we desire to be Bible-centric, to be Jesus-centric, that we desire to really, really dig into the Word of God and to allow the Word of God and Jesus Christ to be the sole and central focus of everything that we do of every ministry that we offer, of every outreach that we do, of every missions trip that we take, that Jesus would be the center of all of that. That all of it is for the glory of God. But we are moving. We desire to go out and to use the things that God is doing. You know, to, as Paul writes in Ephesians, that, that we've been given all of these different offices, all of these different gifts and abilities for what? For the edification of the body of Christ To prepare us for the work of the ministry, to equip us, to equip us to go out and to do things. And so that leads us to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, which is something that was described in the video. And James writes, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. BUT YOU DO NOT GIVE THEM THE THINGS WHICH ARE NEEDED FOR THE BODY, WHAT DOES IT PROFIT? THUS ALSO FAITH BY ITSELF, IF IT DOES NOT HAVE WORKS, IS DEAD. AND SO HE'S NOT TRYING TO REFUTE ANYTHING THAT WE ALREADY KNOW. HE'S NOT TRYING TO SAY THAT JESUS ISN'T THE WAY, THE TRUTH, AND THE LIFE. NO MAN COMES TO THE FATHER EXCEPT THROUGH HIM. WE KNOW THAT TO BE TRUE. HE'S NOT TRYING TO REFUTE ANYTHING THAT PAUL WOULD SAY AS PAUL WRITES THAT WE'VE BEEN SAVED BY GRACE THROUGH FAITH, NOT OF WORKS, LEST ANY MAN SHOULD BOAST. He's not trying to refute any of those things. What he's talking about here is that if that faith, that saving faith has truly taken place in our lives, then there is a relationship that is growing in our lives, and it is the outpouring, the outworking of that relationship that is creating works, and that without the works, without the evidence of the fruit in our lives, then that faith is dead. Then there is nothing taking place in that relationship. And so he says here, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? And it's a very, very simple, very, very clear example here. If you see someone in need and you just tell them, well, God be with you, and then you walk away knowing that you have gifts and abilities or maybe the means to be able to help that person, and you just walk away without having done anything about it, then that faith is dead. Because God has blessed us with all of the things that he's given to us for his glory and his honor. You know, Renato shared earlier that that he's just like most of us, that we love the new car smell. You know, it's not to say that you have to give up everything that you have, but you do need to understand that God has called us to be stewards over the gifts that he's given to us while still retaining the rights to all of it that all of it is still God's. Every gift, every ability, every blessing, every opportunity, every responsibility, that all of these things have been given to us by God. And so we need to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And if we aren't willing to give of ourselves in a real and actionable way, then it is very difficult to make the case that we have been transformed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are not able to give of ourselves in an actionable way in a missional way to impact somebody else's life it's very hard to make a case that we have been changed and transformed ourselves but james continues in verse 18 and he says but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works again the exhortation that the works are an outpouring of this relationship of this faith in jesus christ You believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So he says that it's not enough just to know these things, because even the demons know about God, and they tremble at the thought. But that's not enough for them, so how could that possibly be enough for us? I would suggest to you that there are people inside churches, and maybe even inside this room today, that know less about God than the demons do, and yet claim to be Christians. IT SHOULD BE OUR DESIRE TO GROW IN THAT KNOWLEDGE AND THAT UNDERSTANDING, TO GROW IN THAT RELATIONSHIP. AND IF WE ARE TRULY GROWING IN THAT RELATIONSHIP, MORE THAN JUST THE KNOWLEDGE, BUT WE'RE GROWING ALSO IN THE RELATIONSHIP, THEN THE WORKS ARE JUST A NATURAL byproduct. THEY'RE JUST GOING TO HAPPEN. BUT HE SAYS IN VERSE 20, BUT DO YOU WANT TO KNOW, O FOOLISH MAN, THAT FAITH WITHOUT WORKS IS DEAD? WAS NOT ABRAHAM OUR FATHER JUSTIFIED BY WORKS WHEN HE OFFERED ISAAC HIS SON ON THE ALTAR? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And again, he's not saying that there's something in addition to faith. He's not saying that you have to work your way into heaven. He's saying that the works help to exemplify, to allow other people to see the change, the transformative work that is taking place inside your life through your relationship with Jesus Christ, through that faith. But he says, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Again, we have to be both doctrinal and missional. It's not enough to be just one or the other. Because if we are just doctrinal, we're just theological. There are many academic theologians, people that that teach in universities, that will admit to you that they don't believe in Jesus. And yet they know all about Jesus. They know all about the Bible, maybe more than many of us. But it's not enough because there's nothing that's been transformative that took place in their lives. The same thing can be said for the missional. Sometimes people just want to be good people and they don't want to be Christians. They don't want to be children of God. They don't want to give up all the other things that, that are entailed with that. BUT THEY WANT TO BE GOOD PEOPLE, AND SO THEY WANT TO GET INVOLVED WITH CHURCHES WHO ARE MISSIONAL, WHO DO A LOT OF WORKS, WHO DO A LOT OF THINGS IN THE COMMUNITY, WHO, who GO AND THEY MINISTER TO THE HOMELESS, WHO GO AND, and they're, THEY'RE CONSTANTLY INVOLVED IN COMMUNITY SERVICE PROJECTS. AND NOT TO SAY THAT ANY OF THOSE THINGS ARE BAD EITHER, BUT IT HAS TO BE BOTH, AND BOTH HAVE TO BE ROOTED AND GROUNDED IN THAT RELATIONSHIP WITH JESUS CHRIST. You know, when, when I started preparing last Sunday, it, it wasn't for a three-part series, but that's kind of what it's become. Because last weekend, we talked about the need to be focused in our lives, to be focused on the right things, to seek the things above. And then on Wednesday night, for those of you that were able to join us, we talked about the power of God's love and the power of His Holy Spirit. As He pours that love directly into our hearts. And then the natural outworking, the natural byproduct, the extension, the next step for having that in place, those two things in the right way, is that works would happen, that there would be fruit, that there would be an actionable thing taking place in our lives. There's so much more to a relationship with Jesus than just knowing things, even just in knowing Him. The way that God intends for this relationship to work is faith working together with works. It is our meager faith combined with God's great power that creates supernatural works through our lives. And one of the things that Dan has shared as, as he's given the announcement for these last three services is the fact that God is going to do great works through us when we step out in faith. When we go out and we allow ourselves to be used for the glory and the kingdom of God, God not only is doing things through us, but as he's doing these supernatural works through us, he's making a supernatural change in us. You know, God, God knows what he's getting into. It's not as if we can fool God. It's not as if God, God looked at your resume and, and looked at the resume that you had. God looked beyond all of that. God sees directly into your heart, and he knows all of your shortcomings, all of mine. He knows our frailties, our weaknesses, whatever minute strengths we might have. He knows the gifts and the abilities that we have because he's given them to us. He knows all of that. He knows exactly what he's working with when he's tugging on our hearts and calling us to step out and to be used. And he knows that he can overcome all of those shortcomings, all those frailties, and he can still work through us. And he also knows that as he works through us, that if we are willing, he will work in us. You know, I, there was a time in my life that, that I was one of those people that, that felt that tug on my heart. That felt that tug, not to, not to come to know him as Lord and Savior because I already knew that. But felt that tug to step out in a greater way, to step out in faith and to be used for the kingdom of God. And I remember feeling so inadequate and thinking, you know, what, well, I, I can't do that. I, I, God, you're going to have to do some more work in me. You know, as Dan shared, you know, maybe it's you feel like you don't know the word enough to be able to get involved in a ministry. Maybe you're not gifted enough to get involved in that ministry. Maybe as it relates to this ministry opportunity in waters, it's that you feel like you don't speak the language, and so that's a barrier for you. But whatever it is, if God is tugging on your heart, if you can feel that, then it's not just you. That's God. That's God placing that that desire, that passion there. And then he wants to use that to then grow you, to stretch you, to strengthen you. And he will empower you. doesn't mean that you can just go out and pick whatever you want to do and God's going to bless that. But if God is calling you to it, if you have prayed about it and you know that God is calling this For you, then step out in faith, understanding that it's in God's strength, it's in God's power that you're going to be able to accomplish great and mighty things. You know, it humbles me and it blesses me at the same time when people come up and they compliment me personally about whether it's the way that I teach a Bible study or the way that I lead worship or my voice or guitar playing or whatever it is. And it blesses me because I'm thankful for that because I I try, I try my best. But it also humbles me greatly because I know all of my shortcomings and my frailties. I know my failures and I know where I started. I remember how difficult it was the first time that I shared a Bible study with just a few people. I remember feeling like I, I had gotten better at that and I remember how nervous I was sharing the first time in front of a congregation and how difficult that was. I remember the first time leading worship for for kids. I remember the first time leading worship for for grown-ups. I remember all of those things. And the best description that I could give you is something that happened to one of my friends. There was a time when when we were all getting together for this fellowship. It was a cookout at his house, and and so it was time to pray for the meal, and and we said, okay, well, it's your house. You need to go ahead and pray. And he said, what. I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. And we told him, what do you mean you don't know how to pray? Like, you, you're saved. Like, you, you, of course you know how to pray. Well, yeah, but I don't know how to pray out loud. And we told him, look, it's, it's not a big deal. You're just saying out loud the same things that you're praying already in your heart to the Lord. You're just saying them out loud. And so he says, okay, well, I'll do it. And so he finishes praying, and, and we tell him, hey, bro, it, it, it was good. It wasn't that bad. And he said, no, man, it was bad it was so bad god shed a tear and and i and i could resonate with that because that's the way it felt the first time that i did any number of different things not just the things that we talked about but other things that that i've Later, really, really had confirmed in my heart that I was supposed to step out and do, but at the time, you know, you're, you're nervous, you're shaking, your palms are sweaty, and you get up and you do it, and, and you feel like, man, I just messed that up so horribly that could not have possibly been God calling me to go out and do that. And yet God did amazing things. There have been times that, that we've been up here leading worship, and we have gotten off stage, and we have just been so embarrassed because it just felt like everything went wrong. You know, people were hitting wrong notes, coming in at the wrong time, you know, holding over, you know, people were singing the wrong words. It was just awful. It was probably one of the worst worship sets that we've ever had technically. And those have been some of the times that people have come up afterwards and said, we were just so blessed by worship today. And it just almost brings you to tears and just humbles you because you're reminded that it's all about the outworking of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our strength. It's about the supernatural power of God working through his children. And God doesn't need any one of us. He doesn't need any of the pastors on staff here. He doesn't need any of the elders, any of the deacons, any of the ministry leaders, any of the people that are involved in ministry. He doesn't need a single one of us. But he wants all of us. HE WANTS ALL OF US TO BE A PART OF THIS MINISTRY. HE WANTS ALL OF US TO BE A PART OF HIS MINISTRY HERE ON THE EARTH. YOU KNOW, THERE ARE COUNTLESS STUDIES AND POLLS AND THINGS THAT HAVE COME OUT OVER THE YEARS, AND and THEY ALL SEEM TO to SAY THE SAME THING. AND THE the COMMON CONSENSUS IS THAT 10% OF THE CHURCH DOES 90% OF THE WORK AND 90% OF THE GIVING. SO YOU THINK ABOUT THAT FROM THE OTHER SIDE, THAT MEANS THAT 90% OF THE CHURCH The physical church, the people that come in on on a church on a week-in, week-out basis do 10% of the work and 10% of the giving. What kind of a testimony is that to the world? We call ourselves Christians, but we don't get up to do stuff. We don't get up to do stuff. But one of the other byproducts of that, one of the other problems that happens because so few are doing so much is that we are more prone to burnout. Because we're doing so much. We're just going, 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 going. And sometimes we lose sight of where all of the power is supposed to be coming from. We start to rely upon our own strength, our own giftings, our own abilities, our own time, our own money. Instead of allowing the supernatural power of God to work through us. And it causes burnout. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To run with endurance... Is a great description because that's what it takes to run with endurance. I'm sure that most of us are familiar with the the adage how fast do you have to be to outrun a bear? Faster than the person next to you because that's in reality all it takes. You don't have to outrun a bear you just have to be able to outrun at least one other person and the bear is going to be preoccupied for a while. And, and so we, we understand that, we recognize that. Now most of us have never had to run from a bear or literally run for our lives, but we can understand the massive amount of motivation that must come along with that. You know, it's just this huge adrenaline rush, this surge that then seems to give you powers beyond your, your own innate abilities. You know, you have this adrenaline rush, and you, you suddenly, you're faster, you're stronger for whatever time you've got that adrenaline rush. You know, and, and spiritually, we go through that as well, where we have these adrenaline rushes. Maybe it's because God has been doing something in your life. Maybe he's been doing something through your life. When I was involved with the, the high school youth ministry, I remember we used to talk about the Saturday night experience, we would go on these youth retreats, and we would, we would leave after the kids got out of school on Friday. And so Friday night, everybody's just being goofy and having a good time, trying to figure out, you know, who's, who, who are the cool kids, and, and, you know, just going through all the typical high school stuff. Then you wake up early Saturday, you have breakfast, you're going through the day, you have some team-building activities, you're going through some Bible studies and, and times of worship. But then for whatever reason, you get to Saturday night, and it's like just this massive move of the Holy Spirit coupled with this massive flood of emotion. And it's like this, this spiritual rush. And you see walls being broken down, people's lives just, just being broken honestly and openly before God. And there's tears, there, there's, there's confession, there's, there's healing taking place, all of this stuff. And it, it happens on Saturday night pretty much without fail every youth retreat that I've ever been involved with. And then you wake up Sunday morning and you you have all these kids that still have puffy eyes and, you know, they're best friends for life now and and things are going to be different. And you see those same kids the next Sunday morning at church and half of them don't even remember what happened the week before because the, the rush wore off, the adrenaline's gone. And for some of us, that's what happens is that we're just running from one spiritual rush to another, from one spiritual high to another. You know, maybe we even use church to help us with that. You know, there are churches that are built on this, that it's just one huge pep rally after another, that every week, let's just get psyched up for everything. We're not gonna really learn about the Bible, we're just gonna focus on all of the ways that God is going to prepare and empower you. That's important. BUT IF THAT'S ALL IT IS, THEN YOU'RE MISSING THE DOCTRINE, YOU'RE MISSING THE THEOLOGY, YOU'RE MISSING A TRUE UNDERSTANDING OF WHO JESUS IS, AND YOU'RE MISSING A FULL RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM. BUT WE GET CAUGHT IN THAT WHERE IT'S JUST THIS ONE SPIRITUAL RUSH TO ANOTHER. AND THEN SOMETIMES THE the GAP BETWEEN THE RUSHES STARTS TO to GET LONGER AND LONGER. YOU KNOW, MAYBE now, NOW WE CAN'T EVEN GET TO THAT NEXT WEEK. WE CAN'T GET TO THAT NEXT SPIRITUAL HIGH. And then we start to experience burnout. We talked a little bit about burnout on Wednesday night, and and burnout as a Christian, as as a ministry operator, because that's what you are, again, that's what we're talking about, being called to go out and to make disciples. Burnout happens when we stop running this race with endurance by focusing on the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus, and we start focusing on how we are going to accomplish things. When we stop focusing on the power and the might of God and we focus on us, that's when we get weary. That's when we get worn down. That's when we burn out. And if it's left unchecked, then we will completely burn out. But that's not God's desire for us. Even though Satan never takes a day off, Even though the the attack is constantly with us, God has called us to run this race with endurance, but he's also given us every means necessary to accomplish that. In Isaiah chapter 40, something that, that I'm sure most of us are very familiar with, beginning in verse 28, he writes, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. HE GIVES POWER TO THE WEAK, AND TO THOSE WHO HAVE NO MIGHT HE INCREASES STRENGTH. EVEN THE YOUTHS SHALL FAINT AND BE WEARY, AND THE YOUNG MEN SHALL UTTERLY FALL. BUT THOSE WHO WAIT ON THE LORD SHALL RENEW THEIR STRENGTH. THEY SHALL MOUNT UP WITH WINGS LIKE EAGLES. THEY SHALL RUN AND NOT BE WEARY. THEY SHALL WALK AND NOT FAINT. OUR OWN STRENGTH IS VERY, VERY SMALL AND IN A VERY LIMITED SUPPLY. BUT GOD IS WILLING TO SUPPLY US WITH SUPERNATURAL STRENGTH THAT IS UNLIMITED AND INVINCIBLE. UNLIMITED AND INVINCIBLE. AND THAT'S REALLY WHAT what WE NEED. WE NEED THAT CONSTANTLY AND CONTINUALLY. YOU KNOW, I'M I'm A PERSON that, THAT ENJOYS PLAYING VIDEO GAMES AND And I remember, like some of you, back in the day, especially Nintendo, when that first came out and there was a game called Contra and it was left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, A, B, A, B, and you got unlimited lives in Contra. And that was like the greatest thing ever. Like you could beat the game finally because now you didn't have to worry about dying. You had unlimited lives. And that is exactly what we have as Christians. We have unlimited life. It is an everlasting, eternal life and unlimited strength. THIS POWER OF THE HOLY SPIRIT, THIS SUPERNATURAL GIFTING. WE HAVE THAT TO ACCESS AT ANY MOMENT OF ANY DAY. AND GOD DESIRES FOR US TO USE IT AS MUCH AS POSSIBLE, THAT WE WOULD CONTINUALLY BE POURED OUT INTO THE LIVES OF OTHER PEOPLE. AS PAUL WOULD WRITE, THAT HE WAS BEING POURED OUT AS A DRINK OFFERING, THAT WE WOULD BE THE SAME, THAT WE WOULD BE FILLED TO OVERFLOWING AND REFILLED AND REFILLED AND REFILLED OVER AND OVER WITH THE HOLY SPIRIT. That God's Holy Spirit, as he pours his love directly into our hearts, that we would pour that same love, this love that the world has never experienced, never seen, and can't compare anything to, that we would pour that into their lives. That we would be transformed, and then as we are transformed, that we would be allowed to transform other people by the power of the Holy Spirit. IT IS HIS STRENGTH THAT ALLOWS US TO CARRY OUT THE MOST CHALLENGING OF TASKS AS WE WORK THROUGH THIS LIFE. AND IT IS THIS STRENGTH THAT IS RENEWED WHEN WE WAIT UPON THE LORD, WHEN WE FOCUS ON SPENDING TIME IN FELLOWSHIP WITH HIM, WHEN WE FOCUS ON THE THINGS ABOVE, when we allow God's Holy Spirit to pour his love directly into our hearts. Paul writes that very thing in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And if you notice the, the verbs there, everything is past tense. That the love of God has already been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has already been given to us. That means that if you are a child of God this morning, if you truly have that living, breathing, actionable relationship with Jesus Christ, you already have this. Now it's your job and your responsibility and also your privilege to use that. To use that. To then pour it out into the lives of those around you. And God doesn't make mistakes, so he never misses an opportunity to refill us when we are running low. It is poured out into us so that it can be poured out out of us. And this love is an absolute necessity. It is so crucial to what we're talking about this morning because we cannot go and do all of these things to be missional while having this relationship with Jesus but not do it in love. Because if we don't do it in love, if the motivation there is something other than love for one another, that love for God, that perfect love that casts out all fear, then it's all worthless. Paul writes in 1st Corinthians chapter 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He says, though I can speak in tongues, and it's this amazing gift, but if I don't do it in love, if I'm just doing it for me or to show off or for whatever reason other than love, then it's just noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. So prophecy, knowledge, faith, living materially humbly, even giving of our bodies, all of this, WE NEED GOD'S HOLY SPIRIT TO POUR HIS LOVE DIRECTLY INTO OUR HEARTS AND WE NEED TO RELY UPON THAT LOVE AND THE POWER OF HIS HOLY SPIRIT TO DO ALL THESE THINGS. BECAUSE IF WE'RE NOT, THEN IT'S ALL WORTHLESS. ON WEDNESDAY NIGHT, WE TALKED A LITTLE BIT ABOUT SOME OF THE THINGS THAT JESUS SHARED WITH HIS DISCIPLES WHEN HE WAS TALKING ABOUT THE NARROW WAY AND THE WIDE WAY. AND HE TALKED ABOUT THE FACT THAT, that THERE ARE GOING TO BE MANY THAT GO TO DESTRUCTION many that go to destruction the majority go to destruction and that even in that day when the times come the time has come for judgment that there will be many in that day that are going to come to him and say did we not prophesy in your name did we not even cast out demons in your name those are amazing things to prophesy and to cast out demons and they will say did we not do these things in your name and he will turn and he will say to them depart from me i never knew you Depart from me, I never knew you. Because there wasn't the complete work of God taking place in that person's life. It was all missional. It was all outward. We need both. We need the things that are going on inside so that they can transform and use them to then go outside. So we need both. I was having a conversation the other night with the the guys from Two or More, and we were talking about a man... An assistant pastor who's since gone to be with the Lord that used to work with Chuck Smith at Costa Mesa, in Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and his name was Ellie Romaine, and Romaine had a great impact on a ton of people's lives for the Kingdom of God, and and he even impacted some of these guys as they came to, came to know the Lord at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and so they they actually got to meet this man. And one of the things that that you've find out very quickly about Romaine was that he had a very, very gruff exterior. There were pastors, there were visitors for the first time, just, just whoever it was. If you came up to Romaine and you just wanted to introduce yourself, maybe you'd heard about him, you just wanted to meet him, and you would walk up and you'd say, hi, my name is whatever. Nice to meet you. He may not even shake your hand and he would probably just look at you and say, so? I mean, if I did that to any of you, any of you, Pastor Charlie would hear about it instantly I'm sure you know that's just it just seems so off you know there are times where people have described going to him for counseling and and the guy would come in and and he would say you know I have this problem and you know I, they're in tears and he said well what do you want me to do change your diaper why are you crying and this was just the, the kind of gruff exterior that this guy had. He was a, a Marine, he, he was a, a sergeant in the Marines. And, and instead of completely eradicating that gruff exterior and that character, God worked through that. He was probably what you could call a Turner Burn type of a preacher and a Turner Burn type of a counselor. That was who he was. And instead of having this attitude that, well, I can't be used by God because of my exterior or because of whatever, he just submitted to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit was active in this man's life and that God's love was active in his life because he didn't do these things mean-spirited. That was just part of his, his persona. That was just who he was. And he understood that God didn't have to change everything about him In order for him to be used, that God was going to start changing everything about him as he was being used. And God used him mightily. God transformed many, many lives through this man because he spoke in a way that nobody else would to these people. So don't let these things be a hindrance to you. If you have shortcomings, welcome to the club. If there are things that you feel like you could be doing better in your life, Welcome to the club. We are not perfect. None of us that are involved in ministry here are perfect. None of us go through a week without sinning. Most of us can't get through a day without sinning. Most of us can't get through much less periods of time without sinning. God's not looking for you to be perfect so that He can use you, He's looking to use you as an imperfect individual so that his perfection can be more clearly seen. God desires for all of us to get up and to move and to be used for his glory. We need to speak the truth in love, but that doesn't always mean speaking softly or softening the blow. We need to be discerning in how and when we use the gifts and the abilities that God has blessed us with, but we always need to have that perfect love and we need to be about our father's business. And we need to rely upon God for all of this. THE DISCIPLES AS THEY WERE SPEAKING TO JESUS IN LUKE CHAPTER 21, THEY'RE WORRIED ABOUT WHEN THE END OF THE WORLD WAS COMING AND THEY'RE ASKING ABOUT WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN. And Jesus begins to describe all these things and it sounds so much like today because we have false prophets giving the date of the end of the world, there's wars and conflicts throughout the globe, nation rising against nation, natural disasters are a regular occurrence, you have pestilence, you have West Nile virus, the Zika virus, and there are certainly fearful sights and great signs from heaven as well. So we know that we are getting closer and closer to the end of this world and that the time is running out for those that don't know Jesus Christ. But even on top of that, in Luke 21, verse 12, Jesus is telling them about how this is going to relate to their lives personally. He says, Before all of these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. It will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. That could be one of the ways that God wants to use you to go out. It's just that your life would be used as an occasion for testimony. I shared with you last week about a young man in our fellowship that has been going through a very, very difficult and challenging time with his supervisor at work. Maybe part of his calling to go out is to be used as a testimony in that. Maybe your calling is to go out and to be used as a testimony in your workplace. Not to leave Jesus here at the doors of the church, but to take that relationship that you have with Jesus and to walk it, to live it, to breathe it, so that other people see that you exude Jesus. That this love of God that has been poured into your heart directly by the Holy Spirit is just oozing out of you. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily be a sappy person. There are tons of different ways for you to show God's love and to go out and to be used for the kingdom of God. You just have to be willing you have to be discerning you have to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit but he says that it will turn out as an opportunity for testimony therefore in verse 14 settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist that means you don't have to be overly concerned about not being fully prepared Yes, you need to try to be prepared. You need to spend time devoted to God. Spend time developing, cultivating that relationship with Jesus Christ and your knowledge of the Word of God. But it doesn't mean you have to have a complete understanding of all of that before you can go out. It doesn't even mean you have to have a complete and total understanding of the Word of God from front cover to back cover in order to be able to lead someone to the Lord or to have a discussion about Jesus. Because if you are truly a child of God, and you are being transformed, not completely, it's not a complete work until you get to heaven, but if you are being transformed constantly and continually by the renewing of your mind, and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, then he will give you the words to speak. He will give you opportunity, and he will give you everything necessary to take advantage of that opportunity for testimony. JESUS TELLS THEM NOT TO OVERTHINK THEIR RESPONSE BECAUSE HE WILL, BY HIS HOLY SPIRIT, GIVE THEM AN ANSWER THAT NO ONE WILL BE ABLE TO DISPUTE OR REASON AGAINST. AND THEN HE CONTINUES ON IN THAT PASSAGE IN VERSE 16 AND HE SAYS, YOU WILL BE BETRAYED EVEN BY PARENTS AND BROTHERS, RELATIVES AND FRIENDS, AND THEY WILL PUT SOME OF YOU TO DEATH. AND YOU WILL BE HATED BY ALL FOR MY name's sake. BUT NOT A HAIR OF YOUR HEAD SHALL BE LOST, AND BY YOUR PATIENCE POSSESS YOUR SOULS. He says that despite all of the people that fail you, that I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. That was one of the, the things that we read as we started this morning. He says to go out into all the nations and to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And then he gets to the end and he says, and lo, I am with you always. That means that even though everyone else could fail you, and they will, every single person in your life is going to fail you. At some point or another, every single person in your life is going to fail you. I don't care how gifted they are. I don't care how wise they are. I don't care how much they love you or you love them or how much they love God. They're going to fail you because that's what we do. Because we are faulty creatures. We are frail creatures. But God will never fail you. And so we continue seeking God's heart on everything that concerns us. And as we wrap it up here, there's this one passage that I want to share with you as we we close. And it's from Psalm 27, verses 8 through 14. It says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. To wait on the Lord, to have your strength renewed. To be encouraged, to be challenged, to be convicted. But to have that strength, that supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in your life and through your life. To wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. And so there are three things that I want to leave you with this morning. The first one is that we have a calling to go and not to sit. We have a calling to go. That means to get up and to do That means that some of it's going to take place outside the walls of this church, but that also means that some of it's going to take place inside. You know, we have opportunities here for you to get involved and to serve. And twos and threes and four- and five-year-olds, they're not all terrors like my children. Some of them are beautiful. They're all blessings, even my two terrors. And if it'll help, I'll keep my two terrors out when you teach. But we just—we need help. There are opportunities for you to get involved in ministries here. There are opportunities for you to go out on missions trips that that are sponsored here. There are opportunities with other ministries outside of this church to go and to do different things. There are also opportunities for you to start a ministry in your home, maybe just with your kids, maybe with your spouse, just to be able to spend time in the Word together. But whatever it is, do something. Be actionable with this relationship that you have. The second is that there needs to be a pattern of good works exemplified by our lives. There needs to be some sort of fruit taking place in our lives. And that leads us to the third thing, which is the need for what I call a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to be real and not just academic. We read that even the demons know and tremble. They know God very well. They have seen God's power on a very, very clear level. They know and tremble. But that's not enough it has to be real it has to be living it has to be breathing you have to understand and really really believe that jesus is alive and he's living in your life and then he wants to live through your life amen let's pray